0: have your Bibles, if you would turn to Mark chapter 4, we are going through storms today. We went through storms last week and we'll have at least one more week of storms. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, Jesus calms the storm. Last week when we were talking about the storm, remember Jesus uh, forgot to show up. And so they ended up on the boat, and they all were wondering where Jesus was, and so they got on the boat without Jesus. And uh, this week we talk about Jesus getting on the boat, but now he's asleep on the boat. How many feel like sometimes you feel like Jesus is asleep on your boat? Amen. We feel like, man, wait, wait, you've got to get with the program here, Jesus. And so this is an interesting time for us. It's an interesting season of life for all of us. And I think sometimes we feel like, wait, Jesus, you're not doing your part of the deal here. The bargain is this, is you're not supposed to go to sleep when things are going wrong for me in my life. Mark 4.35 says, As evening came, Jesus said to His disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Turn to someone real quick and say, let's cross over. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with His head on a cushion. The disciples woke Him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm and then He asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. What a crazy moment for these guys. And I don't want to dive in too far yet to that because it's just unbelievable what happened here. And there's so much that goes on here. First of all, I want you to know that every one of us has been hit with a storm, or we're in the middle of the storm, or maybe we're coming through the storm and we're on the other side. But we're each of us are at some place in that facet in our life. The storm's hit, and by the way, you couldn't plan for these events in your life, can you? You can't plan for your storm. You don't go up on the calendar there and go, I'm going to get in a car accident next Wednesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Wouldn't that be horrible if we did? We'd never leave our homes. I mean, can you imagine right now, if you're looking at your future, you're in your future right now, you know that, Amen. because your future is what was you know, you were there yesterday, it's kind of bad if you were here. We're here now. we're in our future. We're living our future. Can you imagine living in your future a year ago, knowing what you're going through now, would anyone here be biting their nails and be on some depression medication? But you're in your future. You're alive and you're going through. Amen. And by the way, let's get the punishment thing out of our spirit if we're sons and daughters with Christ. God doesn't punish us today. He cares for us and loves us. That story is the result of any sin that the disciples did. They couldn't have planned for it. They couldn't have planned for the event. They didn't do anything wrong. If I would have been the disciple in that moment, I'm like, wait, well, Jesus didn't get on the boat with me now. Now we have the guaranteed seal. Our boat is blessed because Jesus is with it, with us. So that means we're not going to have any storms. How many have been there in your faith before? You think, man, I've got Jesus, and now I'm not going to have any problems. But see, that's not guaranteed either. And so when we grab onto Christ, we think that God is, quote, going to fix things. And things don't get fixed. Patrick and Ruth Schwenk write this, But if not for the storm, they would never discover the goodness and the power and the faithfulness of God who was with them. Without fear... They would never know faith. And without hurt, they would never know hope. And so when Christ comes into our life and does things, He brings us to and through places that we don't like to go to to demonstrate Himself strong in the middle of our circumstances. Turn real quick to Psalm 88, verse 6. If you have your Bible, Psalm 88. Psalm is right in the middle of your Bible. By the way, if you have a hard time reading your Bible sometimes, which I understand that, I would challenge you to grab a psalm a day and start there. If maybe you're having a hard time, maybe focusing on God and you don't know where to go, don't know where to turn, turn to the psalm. Pick up a psalm if you're busy. Just pick it up. Start at Psalm 1 and then read through the psalm every day. Just pick a psalm up. Young person, I challenge you, pick the Bible up and say, I don't understand the Leviticus. I don't understand this and all this stuff. Then pick up a psalm and grab hold of it and see how faithful God is. And also see how real people are because you have real people in here who are wondering, God, where are you? What's going on? Psalm 88, six writes this, You have thrown me into the lowest pit and to the darkest depths. Jesus, why am I here? Anybody ever asked that to God before? Why am I here? You threw me in this pit. Jonathan Martin writes this, The ultimate terror... That comes in a shipwreck does not come from the depths in the form of a monster. Or even in the waves that threaten to overtake you. But in the loss of control. To watch the boards give way beneath your feet. The moment just before you know you're going overboard. Nothing could ever be more terrifying than that. You are not at this point exactly making a decision to let go. You are feeling the world that you've known and loved ripped from your hands. The wind and the sea are not gentle but violent. And what happens at first is not just an unclenching of your hands. It's a tearing and ripping and you feel the tear right at the center of you. The veil that protected you from yourself, from the elements outside, torn from the top to the bottom. Isn't it crazy? It's not just the wind and the waves and the storm. We've all been there. Isn't it nice when you have the storm going on and you've got a roof over your head and you're like, man, I'm glad I'm not out in the middle of this stuff. Has anybody ever been caught in a storm? I think at the men's camp out we plan to get caught in a storm every year. We plan the camping trip and then that's the week that it's the worst storm of the year. And we're in a storm. And Jim found himself up to his waist in the bunk in the water. He was swimming one morning. He woke up at the men's camp out. That was good times. We will never forget that. But Jim survived. Let's give it up for Jim. We get into that situation and we realize that we have absolutely no control. How many like to control your situation? We are all control freaks, aren't we? And when we feel like we're losing control, it's not hearing the thunderstorm. It's not seeing the big waves. It's the fact that there is nothing I could do about it. And so that's why we really are on the wrong page when we start to figure out, well, why did this storm happen? And we peel with this, and we pull this, and we pull that, and we start grasping at straws to gain control back. I want to have control. I want an answer. But see, life isn't necessarily about finding all the answers to your problem. It is finding Christ in the middle of your problem. Don't ever forget in the middle of your lack of control that Jesus declared to His disciples, let's go to the other side. He said it right there. He made a statement. Jesus knew with all of His authority that He had been given and who He was. Jesus was God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God in the flesh is standing on the shore and He is saying, gentlemen, let's get to the other side we are going to have to get resolute in our faith and realize that no matter how out of control we feel our circumstances are, that Christ to the other side. It is never the end. We are eternal beings. We leave this earth, thank God we go to heaven. Amen. We leave this place and we say, by golly, I have won the race. I have finished it. We move on. Don't ever forget the statement Christ makes. Let's go to the other side. And don't you ever forget that God is moving in the middle of your chaos. See, in the middle of our chaos right now for our generation, it's this. COVID. It's the economy. It's whatever you want it to be. In Genesis 1, 1, and 2, it gives us a really big picture of God. Do you remember in Genesis back at the time of creation... The earth was in chaos, and it says the earth was formless and without void. And the Holy Spirit was brooding. The chaotic state it was in. The Holy Spirit was not sitting back going, oh no, what do I do? Jesus, what do you, what do you I mean, it's chaotic. How are we going to fix this? It said that the Holy Spirit was moving over top of the chaos. Jonathan Martin writes we have to stay here long enough to let the wind of god brood over our depths so maybe we stay in the middle of the storm right now we stay here long enough how many of you know, this is where the true test of a believer comes, and this is where you really see where your stock is at. When you go through rough times, where are the believers? How many have seen believers kind of walk away from God because they've had rough times or something's happened to them or, or someone hurt them, and all of a sudden they take that and they blame everyone else for their problems and they run away from God as opposed to running to God? We have to stay here long enough to let the wind of God brood over our depths. Patrick and Ruth shrank right there is one thing we don't want you to miss. We want to encourage you that our deepest hurt is also where our greatest hope emerges. While we experience pain and loss, those circumstances are also the fertile soil for new beginnings, for new life, and for a new day. You know, they said, weeping is at the night, but joy comes in. Sometimes nights are really long, aren't they? Sometimes you look at the clock, you can't get to sleep, whatever it is, and, and it's just all of a sudden now your night is over and the day begins and you realize it's going to be okay. There's a lot of weird. Time aren't there. And yet Jesus is asleep on the boat. Sleeping during the worst part of the storm. Jesus, are you kidding me? You're asleep. That's your posture. You should be pacing back and forth. You should be building us an extra boat. You should have an escape plan, Jesus. Why aren't you panicking like I am in life? One of the greatest things that a believer has for a secret in the middle of this. Do you know the verse that says, We have peace that passes all understanding? When life doesn't make sense, the believer has this beautiful thing, this beautiful option, and it is for peace, and it is for rest in the middle of it. That's how come we don't panic like the world panics. That's how come when the world's falling apart, we are steady and we are secure in our faith. And it's not that we don't have problems, and it's not that we're complete in everything, but it is understanding that Jesus Christ is in complete control of the storm. You're going to have to make a decision in your life when you see the thunderstorms, Who's in charge of the thunderstorm? I can tell you this right now, the thunderstorm hitting you, the devil's not in charge of that. He didn't create it. He didn't make it. He doesn't dictate when the sun comes up. He doesn't tell where the moon to go. He doesn't do this. Wait, you might be saying, rest during a storm? Absolutely rest. One of the greatest things you and I need right now for our minds is rest. Amen. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Amen. You and I can be in perfect peace simply because we trust in God. And it doesn't mean that everything's okay. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It just simply means that you have a peace that passes all understanding for the moment that you are in, that you can find rest. You say, how do I find rest? You're going to have to go to those quiet places. Do you know Jesus throughout all His ministry in life, three and a half years, we're still trying to figure out the secret ingredient for finding peace and rest, aren't we? We're trying to find the the vitamin concoction that will give us rest, melatonin, whatever these special little things are. And I'm not telling you not to be nutritious, but folks, to find true spiritual rest, you're going to have to find God. Melatonin can't do that for you! Jesus goes away in the wilderness. Where's Jesus at? I don't know. And you know what He's doing? He is praying and spending time with the Father. Where's Jesus at? I don't know. He he went off into the wilderness early in the morning. He would just get up and He would start praying and talking. And I know this is oversimplifying things, but how many of us have kind of put our Bibles down for a while and maybe we stop praying because the storm has got complete ownership of us? Or maybe, have you ever been in that place? Has you, isn't it hard to turn our brains off? It's hard to turn our brains off, and that's how come I challenge every one of us. Just like you, you go through rhythms. If you're a musician, you practice the instruments, you do all these things. Just if you're in sports, you develop these rhythms, you do these certain things. I, I went golfing the other day. It was really great. I actually got to do 18 holes for the first time in a long, long time. And I remember because it's been so long, I would start to forget. In golf, it's all about psychology and getting out of your mind, and you start to overthink things. And that's how come golfers who are really good at golf can buy a, get a new coach because they're like, I need to develop a new swing. So they're, they're like, wait, I thought you were good. No, I've got to focus on this now. And so it's hard to develop focus in our walk with God, isn't it? And so we get into our own heads. And it's almost like, and this is why the Bible is so beautiful, meditate on the Word of God. You know, New Age people have stole meditation from us, the people of God. And the New Age gurus will teach you to get you to be the center of who you are. And we don't center ourselves on ourselves, we center ourselves on God. And we focus on His words, what they mean. How many of you have sat down and maybe you start reading? And you're just reading through because that's what you're supposed to do. And you put the Bible down and you don't even know what you just read. Let me give you a little tip. Stop reading so much. So as opposed to getting through your chapter that you feel like you need to get done with, why don't you ask yourself, what did I just read? What did I just focus on? There's been times where I'm like, I've got to stop. I'm not even focusing on that stuff right now. I just need to focus on a word of Scripture. I need to get a word from the Lord. And maybe I get back to God, you commanded that I'm going to make it to the other side. I'm going to get through this. Jonathan Martin writes this When the violent wind blows over us, we can decide if we are willing to bend or to adapt or let the wind break us utterly. You know, you notice the trees out there and they, they blow with the wind, right? If, can you imagine if trees just sat there? They're actually built in such a way where they can take on the wind, like palm trees. I've never understood palm trees. These palm trees and these hurricane places like, How can that palm tree withstand these kind of winds? It's unbelievable. But they adapt and they move with it. Folks, when pain and problem comes, as opposed to being so stubborn in your ways, maybe God pushes you into something else and you start to adapt with the problem as opposed to blaming everything else for the problem. Adapt. In our business, we've had to adapt and we've made it. And we'll continue to make it. Our business will be there next week, and the week after, and the week after, and the week after, and the next problem. Because the business has to move with the challenges it faces. in our church, we adapt and we grow. And do you know why churches fall apart? It's because churches don't know how to adapt. If you think a sign on the front door of this building and a cool sermon is going to get people to this church, You've got a really bad plan of attack, folks. Do you know what's going to get people really excited about Christ? You. You. Your spirit. Your friendship. Your willingness to be there for your neighbor because you've adapted to the problems that they face even. So often pain... An offense, an unforgiveness. Anybody ever had pain, offense, or unforgiveness? How about sickness and problems? And we start to blame God and hate life mindset that's not going to work for you. And if you've got any kind of thing going on, an offense or a pain or a mindset or unforgiveness, you're going to have to learn to adapt and you're going to have to learn to go like this in life. Everybody, let's do this really quick. Go back and forth in your chair. Be the palm tree. Be the palm tree. Come on. Let's all relax for a minute. Relax. Allie, come on, Allie. Come on. Got to do it, Tyler. There you go. Just relax. Relax. Life is good, isn't it? Joe even had his arms up. Let's get the arms up. Let's go. Come on, everybody. Joe, Joe. Good job, Joe. Here we go. See? We're smiling in church. We're adapting. We're forgiving. We're That was not in here. <clears throat> you know what storms will cause you to do too? And it's interesting how the Lord gets us out of our place of comfort because we feel like God's not doing His job. Storms change what you're doing. You go, wow, That's deep. You know, when we had that big storm come through that last month, when we heard the bells and whistles going off, Whoo! like I didn't even need to worry about waiting for that. I saw what was going out my front window, and I'm like, Hunter? We were the only ones home. Ann was out. I called Ann up. I'm like, Ann, where are you? And she's like, I'm just getting ready to leave Target. I go, do not leave the building. Stay in the building. So she was stuck back in the home decor department for like a half hour. She ended up buying the whole store. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So they're all huddled in there. See, storms create and cause us to do something that we normally wouldn't do. We adapt to it. Me and Hunter ran downstairs and we stood down there for a minute. We're like... This is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. Allow storms to change what you're doing. A.W. Tozer writes, How sad our state would be if we could not change. Our ability to change our mind is our hope. Do you know what your hope and my hope is? I'm not worried about God changing. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God. God's not going to change for us because we're panicked. He's brooding over the waters. He's got a perfect plan. He's got an opportunity for believers in Christ to have perfect peace in the middle of junk in their life. Your ability to change your mind is your only hope today. You and me have the ability right now to change our mind, change how we think about people, change how we react Change this little space up here and I'm telling you, it will be the most freeing place in your entire life. A.W. Tozer writes, your ability to change your mind is your only hope. How many of us have been in a storm before, maybe 10 years ago? And how many of us have forgotten so quickly that God actually got us through the storm? Because we're in this storm. And we go, well, no, listen, Steve. This is a category four storm. Ten years ago was category two. But I want to ask you back in the younger version of you, did you really think the category two was a category two? Or did you think that storm was category four as well? Come on. So we change our mind. We change how we think. We adapt. Don't you don't have to stay in this mindset about your circumstances right now. You don't have to. No one is forcing you to think the way you're thinking about your present situation and the people around you. You can develop a mindset where you can start to anticipate, God, what are you doing right now? What are your opportunities? What are you What are you allowing me to go through and allow me to change my mind and I can change my mind? You know, God can't change your mind. God could smack a storm over here. He could grab your steering wheel. He could pull you over here. He could put people around you. He can do this. He could bless you there. But you still have to change your mind. The greatest atheist in the world who says there is no God. You can display all of the wonder and all of the things happening. You can talk to someone else. There's no more miracles. God's not doing anything. You can display all these things and they would still have the yes but in their head. Change your mind. Turn to someone who's going to say, start changing your mind. If you don't start changing your mind in this storm, do you think the next storm you'll go through will be any different where you're at? The next storm, when this is fixed, and when we go through this, and when you come on the other side, don't think for a moment that God doesn't have another challenge that you're going to have to face, and you're going to have to change your mind. That's your only hope. In the middle of your storm, change your mind. Scott Sauls writes, "It's it's essential to position ourselves to regularly receive critique from those around us especially those who know us best. Our character must matter to us more than our reputation. See, when God starts to move in our life and starts to break things out, how many of you know that you, the, the people around you that love you most care most about you and see the things going on? Open your life to the critique and the possibility that we can change the things that we're going through and what we're, what, what's going on in our own hearts. By the way, the roaring seas in your life will cause you to change your mind in what you were confident in before. How many were confident about certain things and all of a sudden we got hit in March and now you're not so confident about those things? Maybe it's the stock market we were so confident in. Money. Maybe it was our job. we make like, I got the perfect job and the perfect job didn't wake up and work out the way we wanted it to. The roaring seas will cause you to change your mind on what you were confident in before. By the way, maybe the storms in our life right now are doing exactly what they're intended to be and do, and that's to break us down. We thought that other people should be broken down, and God's breaking us down. And in these last days as believers for us, I think what we need to be is more softer and more pliable and more humble, don't you? Scott Sauls writes this, and if Christians don't take the first step to humble ourselves and become less testy and less defensive and less easily offended and less vindictive when we experience milder forms of opposition and criticism than the global norms, who will? Folks, if we're not going to be the ones that are less testier and less offended, aren't you tired of just being offended all the time? We're offended over so many things. People make statements that don't line up with our theological views and they don't line up with how our moral views are and all these kind of things. And we get so bent out of shape. And I've highlighted it over and over again. Social media just highlights these things and we bake it and we cook it. And we are so offended as the people of God and we should live less offended than everyone else. We should be more humble than everyone else. We should become less testy. Turn to someone would say, are you testy right now? Less vindictive. Easily offended. Folks, who cares if people don't line up with all your politics? Who cares? you know, I'm sure you and I could sit down for about an hour and after about an hour there might be things about me that I agree with that you don't, right? You know, even in churches, churches get so segmented and we think that this church does this better and that better and I was hearing one writer was talking about, I think it was Spurgeon who said about apple pie and he said, the church is kind of like an apple pie and each piece of the pie that his mom used to make is arguing that they're the better piece of pie. James 4:10 says humble yourselves and God will lift you up. And in the middle of the storm maybe it's humbling right now to us because we're not relying on ourselves anymore and we become desperate for God. You know, I think one of the things that the American church isn't is we're not desperate for God. We're not desperate for him to move. We're not desperate to get involved with community and people and to raise people up. Jesus says be still and know that I am God. I want you to look real quick in Lamentations chapter 3. I was reading through Lamentations this week. What a great book, right? But you know what's important to lament? It's the great starting block for your life. Lamentations... Chapter 3, 21 through 26 is a really hope-filled chapter. When you're going through your storm, you're going to have to start developing some really, really, really good self Listening to all the voices that come in your head. I've said this before, but every voice that comes in your head is not from God. Every suggestion that you have is not this brilliant thought. Sometimes it's just stinking thinking. The writer says this in Lamentations 3, 21 through 26. Yet, well, let's back it up to 20 and see what it says. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Let's start there. I will never forget this awful time. Anybody feel like that? Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord, and it is good for people to submit to it at an early age to the yoke of His discipline. Yet I will never forget the enduring faithfulness of God, yet I will never forget. He says in one breath, I will never forget this pain I'm going through, and then he charges right in to yet I will never forget this, and this is much more important in my life, is that God loves, he is faithful, his mercies are new every day. If you screwed up this whole last week and messed up, you are a horrible person, I want you to know today, today's a new day. Today is your opportunity. Don't gloat over things. Don't just sit over things. Don't, don't, don't lose it. You have mercy right now given to you an opportunity and an advantage today. Remind yourself in the middle of your storm who God is right now. Mark 4, let's turn back there and we're going to wrap this up. See what Jesus does. He comes into action. Starting in verse 38, Jesus speaks. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion, and the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They didn't even say we might drown or God, it's bad. They just said, We're going to drown. Don't you care that we're all going to die? The question of faith is not whether Jesus can save us today, it's whether he cares enough to consider it. God is able to fix everything right now in three seconds. So the issue isn't whether God is powerful enough for you, the issue is do you think God cares enough about you? And I want to tell you that God cares about you. He cares about your success He cares about your problems. He cares about your failures. He cares about your weaknesses. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about what happened over here in school. He cares about what happened at home with your parents. He cares about it all! And for us to come into a situation and we see Jesus' rebuttal to this, Jesus gets done. He gets up out of the boat. And He said, Be quiet! Be quiet! Be quiet! Storm, stop! He didn't even pause. He responded the moment they cried out to Him. And I want us to know today with Christ, and I believe this interpretation of this Scripture, because the question is, why on earth was Jesus rebuking His disciples in that moment? Anybody here do the same thing? All of us here? I would be totally guilty of that. Jesus, come on. We're going to die here. And I believe Jesus was upset with them because they blamed Him and said He didn't care for them. Patrick and Ruth Swank write, Jesus is with you, and while He is not moved by waves, He is moved by you. His heart is close to yours. So Jesus isn't moved by waves. He's not moved necessarily by problems. We have problems here. We have problems there. Jesus isn't frantically going over all these things. What He is moved by is Jesus is moved by you. And He cares for you. Christ's power displayed in your life. Paul E. Bilheimer writes this, and I think this is important with that whole faith thing. Because I believe we come to a place and we're going to be stepping into this next week where Jesus was outside on the shore and left off the boat, gets on the boat, and next week we start to learn how to walk onto water. How many like to walk on water in your life? Amen. And this kind of highlights our faith as disciples because these guys were followers of Christ. They were little Christs. Jesus was sending them out to the world to do these works in greater. Jesus was sending them out to the world and says, listen, the disciples came back to Christ and said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. The same storms that Jesus calms, now He gives the power for us to calm and proclaim His Word. If you're in your home right now and you have problems and situations, you have the ability right now to say, be still in the name of Jesus. You know, I learned the power of God really early in my life. And this is a perfect moment when I saw that demon at the end of my brother's bed and realizing the spiritual power and the dynamic in this world that we war not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, when I saw that and I was sweating cold sweat and terrified, I got up in that moment after learning from my mom to proclaim the name of Jesus and I said, I kick you in the butt in the name of Jesus and the demon disappeared and he was gone. I understood at 12 years old that Steve Lapp had something in Him greater than what was in this world that I lived in. I didn't understand it. I didn't know the dynamics necessarily. I just knew the power and the name of Jesus Christ. If you are going through a storm, and you are laying in bed, and you're having nightmares and terrors, and your mind is playing games with you, and you're thinking horrible things, Today, I want you to know that you can say, be still, be quiet in the name of Jesus. I want you to know your authority. That you don't have to call a special person and you don't have to call a hotline number of this priest and this pastor over there. That you can walk through your home and you can invite the peace of God that passes all understanding and the demons flee at the name of Jesus. And the sooner you And I get this. The sooner we jump into becoming disciples as opposed to sitting back and allowing a storm to drown us out. Paul E. Bilheimer writes, thus when God permits Satan to throw His black mantle over our spirits, we tend to forget who we are. We are like the man in James tells us about who looks at his face in the mirror and looking at himself goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. We forget that we are actually a part of Christ and Satan is a subject to us. And we unconsciously lapse into our old life of fear and defeat, seeing ourselves as we were and not as we are. Sandra if you want to come up here and start playing. Young person, want you to know today that you don't ever forget how much God loves you and cares for you. And the very hairs of your head are numbered. You are his treasured possession. You are part of Christ. In fact, the Bible says wherever you are at, you are his ambassador. And the same storms that He rebuked, they're the same storms that He rebukes in your life. I love what Jesus said. He didn't have a big dialogue, did He? He didn't talk to the storm. He didn't talk to the devil for four hours. He didn't kick the sand around and go, now, now devil, why? I mean, what's going on here? Can we just stop with the games? He was going through a rough time. Roger and Marge, come on, can we just stop this? He said, peace, be still. Amen. With an act of anger and defiance against what the enemy would do. And he said, stop it. And You know what's crazy is the disciples' response was this, is it said they were terrified. You thought they were scared of the storm before. They're like, who is this guy? I was scared of the storm before, but forget the storm. I'm scared of that dude. (laughs) Folks, there is a beautiful, healthy fear that we get in Christ when we realize that he is much bigger than any storm we face. And as we humbly come before God today with a holy boldness, we understand the holy, the beauty, the complete otherness of who God is. And maybe it's okay. We're a little terrified. And we're standing on holy ground right here in this church right now. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Just close your eyes. Where you stand right now in the middle of your chaos is holy. It's holy ground. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is His earth. You are the sheep of His pasture. You're His people. You're His child. You're His son. You're His daughter. And He cares for you. And he is as close as the mention of his name. And maybe all you can utter out in your heart is, Jesus, save me. Maybe that's all you have. And the beautiful prayer of desperation that you need, God, that you are sick of you and the control. And you say, God, I I, I run to you. I need you in my life. I need you in my mind. My mind is wandering places. I'm changing today. And I'm trusting you, Lord Jesus, who calms every storm and gets me to the other side. I'm not failing here. I might have tripped and I might have stumbled, but I'm not a failure. Jesus won for me. I'm a victorious champion. Through Jesus Christ. I'm not a failure. So what? You messed up. So what? So what? You're in a storm. So what? Don't be like the weatherman and figuring out where the wind speeds are here and there, the barometric pressure, and we try to scientifically analyze our problem. And Jesus comes out and says, Be still. Be quiet. Today, maybe you've been wandering, you've been lost at sea. You're there. Doesn't matter how you got there, you're there. It doesn't matter. You need Christ. And today you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You might have known church. You might have known the politics of church. You might know what to say when some person asks you about this stuff. But your relationship with Christ is not there. And God's asking you to call out to Him. And He will show you great and mighty things that you don't know about. And you might be a little terrified of where He takes you. But you'll know this God is not like anything else I've ever seen. And the security I have for Him outweighs everything that I thought I had. And the places that He's taking me to, as dark and as crazy as they may be, he is taking me to special places now in my life. And God's going to show me things that I've never seen before. And He is a great God I can put my trust in. And today I'm asking you to put your trust in Him. Don't put your trust in anything else. Today with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're floating at sea. And the waves are taking on the boat. And you're asking God, are you not concerned? Today you give up. And you rest. And understand the power of your Savior We serve a strong and mighty God. We don't serve a wimpy Jesus. We don't serve an effeminate Jesus who barely can get a word out. We serve a Christ who commands the waves. The Anointed One. Today, if that's you, and you say, I'm grabbing hold of Him, In my life, right now, I'm submitting myself to Him and His plan for my life. Today, you might have thought that He's asleep on the boat because He doesn't care. But He is the God of chaos. He is over top of it. He moves in and through it, using everything for your good. Today, would you raise your hand If that's you and God's calling you out, I want to pray with you today if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you're here with me. That you haven't forgotten about me. That you know what I'm going through. And that God, you care for me. You love me. Thank you for dying on the cross. And experience the pain you did because of your thoughts towards me. Father, I trust you right now with this storm. God, you are the God of this storm, you are in control. And even when I feel like it's out of control, I simply trust You, knowing that You care for me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Folks, I love you so much. And know when you go out there and you're dealing with those storms, that Jesus might not respond exactly how you want Him to, but God will respond. And God will move on your behalf in very crazy ways. But we serve an awesome, mysterious, mighty God. And folks, I don't want to serve a God that I figure out, do you? I want to serve a God that I can trust and realize that He does things that I never would dream of. I love you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Make sure you grab someone and tell them, God is in control. Amen? Love you.